0: Father, we are the sheep of your pasture. and We pray that by speaking to us this morning, you will lead us to pastures anew. To the glory of your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> I believe it's good for us sometimes to go back to basics. And there's no basic quite like the one Jesus gives us from our gospel reading with what is known as the Great Commission. The disciples had gathered together and Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Let me pause there for a moment because that is a most powerful statement that we need to take on board. It occurred to me that it's easier to take such a statement from a man who has just risen from the dead than it would be from a man, a mere mortal, who is trying to lord it over people. Clearly, Jesus has authority not only over the life of all creation, men, women, you and me, but also over the processes of nature and, of course, over death. By raising Jesus from the dead, God has shown the disciples and us that Jesus is without doubt the Messiah, the one who God promised to send as his ruler and who has authority over, well, everything, including all earthly rulers. When we pray to the father for the rulers of this world we are actually doing something quite radical we're stating that we believe that there is a power an authority that is greater than them and that's why totalitarian rulers struggle with an active and lively church or for that matter any faith where people recognize a higher authority than themselves There was a book, I recall, about our Queen called The Servant Queen and the King She Follows. The title gives you a clue as to what that's about. Now, if you're introduced to Her Majesty, you will naturally bow or curtsy as a mark of respect and a recognition that she is our sovereign Queen, head of state and head of the Church. Now I'm sure we all openly acknowledge that the Queen recognises the authority of Jesus Christ as her Lord. You only have to listen to her Christmas messages to the nation to know that. She, as far as I know, curtsies to no person on earth although I do recall seeing Her Majesty on her knees at her coronation, freely acknowledging a higher authority than herself. And it brought to mind the reading I recently concluded of 2 Chronicles. You may recall the revelation I shared with you recently when I discovered the prophet Nathan's words foretelling of God's only son who was to come and who would reign forever. Well, in chapter 6, I read of Solomon's dedication of the temple that he had built to God, as prophesied by Nathan to Solomon's father, King David. And I read this. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Now he had made a bronze platform, five cubits long, five cubits wide and three cubits high. Just for the uninitiated, that's about seven foot square by about five foot high. He had it placed in the center of the outer court. And then he stood on the platform and then knelt down before the whole assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. Do you realize just what Solomon was doing there? It was unusual, in fact unheard of, for a king, any king, to kneel before someone else, especially in front of his own people. Because kneeling meant submission, submission to a higher authority. Solomon was here demonstrating his great love for God by kneeling before him even greater than King David himself. It should not therefore surprise any of us if our Queen was to do likewise by kneeling before Almighty God in total submission to his authority. And I don't doubt that in private Her Majesty kneels in prayer to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So what has that got to do with us going out and telling the good news of Jesus? Well, everything. You see, if you can show respect for her majesty, but cannot show your obedience to God for who he is by being obedient to his command, then I would respectfully say that something is seriously wrong we still have some considerable sorting out concerning our relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Surely if such great kings of the past like David and Solomon and our own sovereign queen acknowledge a higher authority, shouldn't we be expected to do no less As one who has authority, Jesus gives his followers a task to do. He calls them to go and make disciples. Would we ignore the command of our queen if she called upon us, her subjects, to come to respond to her call? No, of course not. So how on earth can we ignore the command... Not just from a higher authority, but the highest authority when we're called to do our Lord's bidding. We wouldn't dream of insulting our monarch. And our God is supreme over all earthly rulers. It would have been so easy for our Lord's disciples to keep together, secure in the knowledge that they had been chosen by Jesus, that they had intimacy with God and that they had a glorious hope, not unlike our own relationship with Jesus. But the disciples were told to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. They were told to go, just as we are, Now, for some, that might be an actual call to uproot and move on. Many people, even from Pip and Jim's, have heard the Lord's call to go and serve him and make him known in other countries. And I pray that as a parish, as a church, Pip and Jim's will always get behind our missionaries. For they once heard the call to go, and they went I hope we will always pray for them and support them and give to their work. Sometimes we need to hear God's call to go to a different place. Not only because the desire of Jesus is for the people of all nations and cultures to become his disciples, but also because so often... It is when we relocate that we find we become much more dependent on him and therefore open to him. And some of us here may need to hear that. But going is not necessarily about moving on. It's also about an attitude of mind. Oh, it's very easy for us to do the same old thing Sunday after Sunday because it's easy and safe New people, new things, new ways, they all require effort. They are challenges and opposition that we will need to overcome. And it's very easy to become lazy or weary with doing good. The Lord says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me, therefore go And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our Lord's command is explicit. There's no get out clause for Christians. It's our Lord's command to us. The aim is to bring all people to himself through his grace and love. And as the only foot soldiers he has to call on to, do his, to, to, to help him in his quest, we are duty bound to answer his call. Isaiah chapter 6 says, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. And he said, go. We need to recommit ourselves to go. Even if it simply means getting out of the armchair, turning off the telly, moving out from the familiar group, breaking a routine that is in danger of stifling us, and getting down on our lees our knees if old age allows that is and listening to God and then picking up the phone and ringing someone or visiting a neighbour or inviting a friend over for a cup of tea and a chat or even getting involved in something different if this is what God is calling us to do putting, up, putting the for sale sign up moving out well fine fine then be led by the Lord, by his spirit. But this is not going for going's sake. It's not just a question of moving out of our comfort zones. We're called to go with a very specific purpose in mind. We're to be a disciple-making community. And only God can make disciples. Only he can give men and women a desire to turn to him. Only he can give life to someone who is spiritually dead. But we have our part to play. We are to pray. Pray that spiritually blind eyes are opened, that those who have spiritually closed ears will hear. We're to proclaim the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ to a lost generation. And we're to encourage people as they begin to respond. We're to support them when they waver or struggle. We're to teach each other and learn from each other. Now, we're not called to expect people to be perfect. Only God can do that. And it will take time. We're all pilgrims on a journey We're not perfected saints. We are sinners, albeit forgiven sinners, who are inviting other sinners to walk with us on a journey as we follow Jesus, as we learn from him. And because we are sinners, church will sometimes be very messy. There will be conflicts, frustrations, wrong routes taken, disagreements, but we are disciples together, heading in the same direction. If you join any society, then you usually have to do something to qualify for membership. You have to pass an exam, go through some sort of initiation ritual, be recommended as a decent sort of person. The only thing that Jesus asks you to do is to become a member of his church and to become a disciple by the sprinkling of water on you by the vicar or the bishop, not in their name, but in the name of the Trinity. Next Sunday, four of our members will be baptised and confirmed into the church at a service at St. Justice, for which we all give thanks and praise and glory to God for their decision. Baptism is a symbol of washing of forgiveness. It's all about grace. And it means, of course, that you need to recognize that you need forgiveness. Sadly, quite a few people stumble over that issue. But remember, forgiveness is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't even baptize yourself. It's a gift from God. It's a beautiful picture of what our Lord has done for us. A desire and a commitment to respond to God's call, to follow the example of Christ. It symbolizes our being cleansed from sin and being reborn into new birth. We need to urge others to be baptized, to receive this free gift of God, to become part of the life of God, the intimacy that is shared by the Trinity. Now for us to show Jesus to others, we need to be a people who, are wel- who welcome sinners, whether they seem to have it all together or even if they are obviously in need of help from people who care. We're to be a caring, teaching, learning and obedient church. Jesus called his disciples and instructed them to obey everything he had taught them. The first disciples of Jesus did just that through their teaching in those early Christian communities. And we have their teaching in the New Testament that they passed on what Jesus had taught them. It's why, after worship, the first reaction of the disciples when they see the risen Jesus is to worship him. Our priority is to teach Bible-based learning, and so we try to be faithful to his teaching and to pass on what has been passed on to us by reading scripture and living the Christian life every day, not just Sunday's. There's a story of three people talking about which version of the Bible they prefer. One said they preferred the language and poetry of the King James Version. The second said they preferred the clarity and accuracy of the New Revised Standard Version. The third said they preferred their mother's version. What? One of them said. Has she translated the Bible? No, no, was a reply. But she lives it every day. What we have in our reading is a great event, the resurrection of a great truth that Jesus has all authority. A great task to go and make disciples. A great promise. Jesus promises to always be with us. For those first disciples, that was important. Jesus was physically present with them, but was about to go away. They would no longer see him, but he would still be with them as he is with us through his spirit. And for us, it's equally as important because in doing the task, it's very easy to forget that it is ultimately about a relationship with him. There will be times when we clearly experience his presence, that is when it's easy. But there will be many times when we do not. And that is when faith kicks in. When we get up out of our armchair to go as Jesus commanded, we believe he is there with us. As we are obedient to his command to make disciples, to baptize, to teach, we trust that he is with us. And when we face difficulties, discouragement or opposition, by faith we know that we are not on our own. When nothing seems to happen and our lives don't seem to change, the world around us remains stubbornly godless and our prayers appear unanswered. We know that it's not futile and that we are not praying to no thing but to some one. When it seems that he is so distant, we cling on to this promise that he is with us. This is a promise for that time of day when you stop and remind yourself of his presence with you and you consciously seek him. It's a promise for our very ordinary daily lives often when nothing special seems to happen, or for the moment of pain, frustration, confusion, doubt or fear. It's the promise for when we step out in obedience and do a new thing. Jesus has all authority and has given us a great task He will always be with us and will never leave us. And if we abide in him, he has promised he will abide in us. Amen.